You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. AKA Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, on the show today is Casey Clark. Casey, a cyclist and organic farmer, is on to talk about how he decided to ride every gravel mile in Loudoun County, Virginia, to raise money for an organization called America's Routes. His one-day journey took him on some of the nation's oldest and most beautiful rural roads. There's a movie about this event on YouTube, and he even made it onto NPR. In addition to riding some epic adventures, Casey saw a need for a bike club made up of all abilities of cyclists with a focus on fun. From this need, Casey created Velo Pigs. With over 1,300 members, this club meets weekly for gravel rides, socializing, and maybe a beer or two. So here's Casey to tell us more. Okay, well on the show today we have Casey. Hey Casey! Hey, Kathy, how are you? I'm good. I tracked you down from seeing some really cool posts on social media, and you are the founder of, it looks like a pretty cool bicycle club. So I'm really happy to have you on the show and to talk to you more about it. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. You bet. Before we get into talking about Velo Pigs, will you tell the listeners a little bit about where you live and what cycling is like there? Sure. Um, I live in uh, Northern Virginia, about uh, an hour and a half west of uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. In um, Loudoun County. Um, Loudoun County is becoming a bit of a, uh, a known entity in gravel because of its um, 300 miles of uh, historic gravel roads that date back to the early 1700s. Oh, nice. And um, I know 300 miles doesn't sound much, much like much to a lot of people in the country, but uh, we're you know being so close to Washington D.C. to have such a network of uh, gravel roads in such a major metropolitan area, it's really a, a special thing to have. Yeah. So, um, and with uh, you know the booming booming gravel, I mean we'll go out on these uh, country roads out here, and you'll see license plates from all over the East Coast parked in school parking lots mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, the churches and stuff as people, you know, make a pilgrimage out here, so to speak, in order to ride the gravel roads out here. Mm-hmm. I was in um, that area this past fall. Um, we didn't do very much gravel because we were actually on the trails, but we did a, you know, Pittsburgh to D.C. trip uh, using that trail system. And so I would guess, you know, cycling is a big deal on all different types of terrain in that area. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Um, you know, there's a very strong mountain bike scene in uh, mm. the D.C. area and Virginia as a whole. Road riding's pretty popular. We've got some pretty big races down here. But again, uh, the the gravel is really exploding here. Mm-hmm. I can leave my house. I live on a farm. And I can out in the country. I can leave my house on a farm and get on a gravel road and actually ride all dirt roads to the CNO, which I can then ride into the heart of uh, Georgetown in the middle of D.C. and not touch pavement. Um, so again, it's, I mean, the idea that I could do this, you know, from the country and arrive into our nation's capital on, on gravel and dirt and yeah. mixed surface is a, it's an incredible opportunity. And I think 
not going to necessarily say pioneers of gravel, but a lot of the road riders out here that were riding gravel roads because that's what they're here before gravel took off knew about this little secret. And, yeah. and now that uh, gravel riding as a as a segment has taken off, people are really getting uh, you know the, the secrets out, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so it's it's really booming out here. I'll go out and local roads that five years ago i would know everybody i passed now i, I don't know most people that we pass which is oh, wow you know you can make arguments for and against all of it but it, more yeah. people on bikes is great oh for sure yeah and i need to put a pin in you talking about how great the gravel is because that's one of my questions that i'm going to ask you in a few minutes is uh, based on a youtube video i watched of you biking i think it was every single gravel road but i want to in your in your county, but I want to ask you that in a second. So hold a pin in sure. that, okay? Sure. Okay. Sure. So, you know, you've mentioned about gravel, so I'm assuming that you spend most of your time when you're on a bike on gravel, but you also dabble in bikepacking, right? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily. Uh, I mean, yes, bikepacking, more, but more so uh, I would say bike travel. Oh, okay. Um, you know, on bikepacking setups. My wife and I met overseas when we were both serving in the Peace Corps. And uh, through the Peace Corps, we've learned to love, you know, traveling off the beaten path, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we do travel, we uh, we load up bikes and uh, we tour country on bicycles. Nice. Um, so there is a, a, a huge bikepacking scene in Virginia. I don't take a lot of advantage from that because of, of that, because I, I do work as a farmer and I don't really care to, to camp in the winter. Mm. Um, so I, I minimize it around here, but typically in January, my wife and I, uh, fly overseas for bikepacking type, uh, trips. We were in, uh, Sri Lanka as the world started shutting down for COVID in 2020. Mm. Uh, the year before we were in Malawi and Southern Africa. Um, we just canceled our trip to Rwanda, but mm. I think we're going to, uh, scramble and get something going to Costa Rica next month. So. Oh my gosh. Those are yeah. some pretty cool places. Yeah. We could so have a, we're, we're a, lucky. several episodes just talking about those trips. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. We really uh, enjoy doing it. And, uh, the, the experience is incredible. Yeah. And, and it's actually cheaper than you would think. Really? All right. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah, we we've gotten pretty good at keeping it cheap. Well, I was going to say, as many times as you've done it, you're probably a pretty well-oiled machine as far as you know where to spend money, how to spend money, and how to you know probably pack a little bit lighter than the average tourist. Yeah, I think I think we've managed to find a few tricks to make it easier for ourselves. But yeah. it's it's all stuff that you know, those the bike packers out there they 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 know just as well as we do. Sure. Um, just the uh, the planning is a, a little more cumbersome when you are uh, traveling overseas. Yeah, and that's and that's why we're not doing uh, Rwanda at this point. Is mm-hmm. uh, you know Rwanda is trying to do the right thing with all the testing they require, but we would be needing to test every three days. Mm. And when we're out when we're out on a bike, the idea of trying to scramble a hundred miles to get somewhere to test, we just it, it would change the uh, trip. So right. we just uh, we'll we'll bump that to another year. Right. So, you know, we mentioned gravel, of course, and then um, bikepacking and you going overseas. But did I also see that you race single speed? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've been racing mountain bikes since I was uh, in middle school, so since 1989 or so. Mm. Um, and as an adult, I joined the Peace Corps. When I got back, I wanted a new bike, but I didn't have any money. And this was in uh, the late 90s. Uh, a single speed was a cheap option. I was living in Mississippi. So I, you know, not many hills. I thought, oh, I'll buy a, a single speed. 
And uh, I very quickly enjoyed that as my primary type of mountain biking. Mm. And yeah, so I've raced uh, single speed mountain bikes when I do race ever since. And I've, I've had some success with that. Dang, that sounds uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, so. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so then we put all this together, all of your love of biking, and somehow you decided to start a new club. So give us the story on how that came to be. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Uh, Sure. I've always uh, really enjoyed cycling. And uh, what I really like about uh, riding bikes is uh, obviously the riding bikes and getting out there and seeing things and just the fun and the joy of being on a bike, but mm-hmm. it's always been about uh, sharing it with other people. And, you know, growing up, as a, uh, you know, you, you go out there riding with your friends and the thing that you remember is not necessarily the, the bike rides you did by yourself, but it's the, you know, the time you rode it with your friend and mm-hmm. found a new spot and things like that. So um, the nature of my wife's and I job is we, we tend to pick up a move every few years. Uh, we build farms for nonprofits. So that puts us in a rural area Mm. often with people we don't know it's hard to meet people so when we moved to uh northern virginia i decided that i would be more proactive about meeting people and i approached the bike club uh a bike shop sorry and asked to uh if i could host their shop rides that which they didn't have mm. and i had already there was already the, the seed of the velo pigs from um, as a few of my friends that we used to mountain bike together and drink beer in the parking lot that all rode for different teams so we started, there was like four of us in Connecticut. And when I moved down here, um, I was the only one down here. Kind of fibbed a bit to the bike shop and said, I have a bike club. <laughs> Sold a few t-shirts and got a few people interested. And we started doing weekly rides. And um, that's how it started. And the idea was to basically have a, a group ride that all riders of all abilities could come out. And, and it's their no drop and people are welcome and have fun. Um, you know, I've been on too many group rides at further bike shops or club rides where it's just very type A aggro, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sprint the whole time and you get done and everybody loads up the car and drives away. So mm-hmm. we call ourselves a, a beer and bicycle social club uh, with an emphasis on the social aspect. And uh, it's it's done really well. We do uh, weekly gravel rides mm. every week. Um, we've just paused for about a month this winter, um, but we consistently have about 50 people show up. And we split those uh, rides into uh, the party pace, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, a business casual pace and a pace that we call the business, which is, you know, the real fast guys. Um, diff- three, three different routes. We tend to all finish at the same time and share a beer at the uh, back of the shop when we're done. Wow. So it's definitely, yeah. you know, the love of cycling, but the sense of community that you're creating by, you know, when you have that many people show up, I'm guessing, you know, there's new people and people that have been there a while. So I can just imagine that post, you know, that beer in the parking lot where people are talking, biking, but probably becoming friends. Oh, yeah, there's definitely uh, a definitely friend group has formed very quickly with, amongst many of us. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's humbling that it's growing, but at the same time, it's kind of odd when I show up to lead the rides or organize the rides. And I would say 90% of the people there, I, I don't even recognize, let alone know their names. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> um, so we're slowly working on that and, and figuring how, out how to grow and make sure it still has that feel of a, uh, a small fan, uh, 
friendly club, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if somebody's actually in the Virginia area, is there a way for them to either find out more about your club, like through the bike shop, or yeah. can they come for a ride? Well, they can always show up to the bike shop, which is Plum Grove Cyclery in uh, Leesburg. Mm. Um, but we have a Velo Pigs group Facebook page that you can find on Facebook. I, or they can visit velopigs.org, which is our website. Um, however, the most up-to-date is the, the Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So. And then do you typically uh, post your routes ahead of time? Or is it once you show up, you say, here are three options, you know, go at whatever pace is comfortable for you? Um, no, we post the routes. It used to be uh, show up and we'll go for a ride. But yeah. uh, people being people, every time. You know, we'd say that. And then for the next week, I'm fielding uh, questions about how long is it going to be? What's the elevation? Right. It, it became easy, easier to uh, build a uh, ride with GPS library, which we have about 50 routes in there now. Um, and basically on the Thursday, or the Friday before the ride, I'll say, uh, here's today's routes. Uh, and I'll post them up and people can visit our page and download it to their machines and, and go from there. Nice, yeah. nice. So. And I... Um, I don't know if I could actually explain what Iowa gravel is like, because that's where I live. But I would, it's really, um, it's such a mixture, because sometimes, you know, there's enough traffic with vehicles and uh, farm equipment that if you get in the right line, you really don't have any gravel. But then all of a sudden, you know, the graders will come through, and then you're literally, you know, kind of floating over rocks, big rocks. But so what is the gravel like there? Uh, that. That's exactly how how I would describe the oh, gravel okay. around here okay. as well. Yeah, you know, I I've uh, I went to school in Vermont and I go up to Vermont and race every so often. And you hear a lot about Vermont gravel around here, and that's probably my favorite place to ride gravel. I really like the Class Four roads, mm. but the gravel up there is it shouldn't be called gravel. It should be called dirt roads. They're hard packed dirt and they're fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, out here where we're riding, it's very loose. You know, if you're doing a turning into a tight corner or anything like that, there's a good chance you'll lose traction and, and wash out. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And again, if the graders go through, it's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to keep control of the bike. So yeah, it's the, the conditions change quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where a uh, tire pressure yeah. becomes the, uh, the golden tool. It definitely does. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot like uh, we make the comparisons that, you know, you hear about East coast ice with skiers and snowboarders. Uh, so East coast gravel, typically is chunkier and, mm -hmm. and less predictable yeah and yep. it builds up your technical skills pretty well yeah yeah okay so speaking of technical skills i know that you have been on some epic bike rides based on your social media and the one that i saw i watched a youtube was the is it the loudon or loden uh, Loudon, that's the okay. county, yeah. So the uh, Loudon Rambler, where you decided to ride every single gravel road in the county and then also use it as a fundraiser. So can you tell us a little bit about that ride? Sure. This happened last year, last October. So a lot of the races I was planning on doing in 2020, obviously, I shouldn't say a lot, all the races that we all planned to do yeah. in 2020. yeah were canceled and uh, I just wanted a challenge for myself. And so I was out doing a, uh, I decided to do a gravel century and I was just thinking while I was riding. And uh, I wondered if I could finish all the roads in a day. So I called up uh, a friend of mine that works with a, an organization called America's Roots, which is working to get these roads on the National Historic Register. Mm. Um, so I called him up and asked how many actual gravel miles there were in Loudoun County. And that number was just under 300 miles. 
Um, and I said, oh, I, I've got an idea. Maybe I'll try ride all those. So, you know, he thought that was a, 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 a neat idea and didn't put much thought to that. But I, I basically said to him, like, I think we could do it as a fundraiser and get some of the Velo Pigs excited about it and spread it out to the uh, other cycle clubs. We've got a club out here called the Bluemont Connection, which is a pretty influential club in D.C. as mm-hmm. far as gravel riding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put the word out to all, all the clubs that I was going to do this. And uh, would you, you know, send whatever you think's fair into uh, America's Roots as a fundraiser? So um, we were able to raise $8,000 oh or just gosh. under eight. Sorry, just under $8,000 yeah. for a single day ride, a single person, single day ride. Um, almost entirely from the cycling community. And uh, that money went towards uh, the America's Roots organization, uh, organization which is uh, trying to preserve those roads with, by getting it listed on the National Historic Register. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of development out here, so that's what they're fighting against. Um, and to be honest, I did not do every mile of that because I made a wrong turn at like 2 in the morning. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, when I got back, instead of uh, having uh, 300 miles, uh, which I was going for the triple century, I thought would be fun. When I finished, I was at 284, but I wasn't going to turn around and ride 60 <laughs> miles to get that uh, those missing miles. Right. Yeah. Well, and, so, and you're not telling the listeners that you did that 284 miles in just over 23 hours so you were on your bike for almost a full day yeah yeah and and i'll, I'll brag myself a little bit but it was also about twenty four thousand feet of elevation as well oh my gosh yeah wow so, and uh it, yeah it was a lot it was a lot of fun and uh you know i wouldn't have been able to do that except for our local cycling community mm-hmm. um i started at six in the morning and a good friend of mine turned up i didn't know he was coming but it was at the i left from my farm showed up at six in the morning there was a photographer there and uh he rode the first 60 miles with me and basically handed me off to another group of riders oh nice who handed me off to another group of riders so the first 200 miles i wasn't alone i was talking and chatting with people the entire way Mm -hmm. um it wasn't self-supported i made a point to not say it was self-support because i didn't want to say no to somebody showed up with a cup of coffee in the middle of the night right um but at, at about midnight, that's when I was finally on my own. I shouldn't say finally on my own, but I was on my own f- through the night. This was a Halloween night. So uh, I really like night riding and, and being on my own in the middle of the night after rhinos. It was a neat experience. You know, I, I have, there's a lot of uh, bike pack racers, especially that I'm really um, impressed by. And I wanted to see what it felt like to ride those kind of miles for that kind of distance mm-hmm. and see how I'd react with uh that kind of, uh, yeah, distance in my legs and, and lack of sleep and see how that was. So it was a neat experience. Yeah. And what's the name of your YouTube video so that listeners um, can go check it out? <clears throat> I think uh, you can find it by looking up uh, The Loud and Rambler. Okay. And that should come up on YouTube. And that's produced by America's Roots. And Roots spelled as in uh, the auto root, not tree root. Okay, got it. And Loudon yeah. is spelled L-O-U-D-O-U-N, correct? Yes, yeah, okay. it is. Yep. Cool. Well, yep. I did watch it. I watched you, you know, do the ride and was so impressed. Like when you finished it, you did not look like a man who had just <laughs> been riding for 23 hours. Like oh, thank you. you were yeah. completely coherent. You could stand up on your own. I was just really, yeah. really impressed with the whole. And to now know that you were able to raise almost eight thousand dollars is really impressive. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, it was a learning experience yeah. for myself and uh, quite humbling 
to see the support from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it towards the end, actually the beginning of the video and at the end, you see my wife in there. It was neat to uh, do something that she actually was impressed by. I do all these bike things and she's like, oh, that's nice. That's fun. Good for you. <laughs> but when she realized that she got up with me at 4.30 in the morning and had gone to bed and was up and I pulled in, you know, and had been riding the whole time, it was, uh, I mean, and she came out and saw me on course at one point to yeah. bring me uh, coffee. But it was neat to see her reaction. And um, My parents, who have never really understood my fascination with cycling, heard it was on NPR, so they heard that. So it was neat for my parents to hear that. And oh, cool. Something I've been passionate about that they saw other people find you know, other people are impressed by it. So all of a sudden they think it's impressive. So yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> fun little bit of validation. Yeah. And do you think you have interest to go back and do it again? Um, I don't know if I would do, I mean, definitely those distances yeah. and uh, that kind of challenge. I don't know if I would do the same roads again mm-hmm. um, in that time. If there was somebody that really wanted to do it and wanted company, maybe I would do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would shoot for that myself just to do sure um yeah. i i did uh with the velo pigs we did a, I put a uh an event together on halloween night which was the anniversary this year we called it oink at the moon <laughs> um and that was a nighttime gravel sentry we had a sentry loop and a metric sentry loop oh. and we had uh i think maybe 35 40 people showed up for that to ride 100 miles into gravel in the dark in the dark and, start, yeah. and it was raining so i mean these were diehard people showed up for that it was very successful um and that was basically because of uh i was inspired by the camaraderie i had on that ride mm-hmm. and the fun i had riding for that long in the dark and uh so i invited people out and we got quite a few people out um and i think it'll end up being an annual uh Vella pigs event that we'll we'll host an oink at the moon yeah. uh gra- night gravel century so I love that idea. Yeah. Well, and that brings you to my next question. I'm assuming um, you probably had at least a couple races that you did in 2021. Any highlights that you want to share? I've never gotten on the podium for a gravel race before. You know, usually mass start. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these gravel races now are starting to do categories. So I was able, because of the category and it breaking down to a little smaller, I guess the challenge and sheer numbers was a bit easier. So I was able to get on the podium for a race called the dirty kitten in mm. the single speed category. That was exciting for me, which, uh, at my age, I feel like I'm keeping up with some of the kids. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I would, I podium did a mountain bike race this year, which was also a single speed race. And then I, there was another, I got on another podium, but which was on a, uh, a geared uh, gravel bike. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when so, you're, when you're mountain biking on a single speed, is it, uh, set up as a fixed gear or are you able to coast oh no i i don't do fixed gear those people are nuts well i was trying to figure yeah. out how you could be <laughs> mountain biking and like you know going over routes and stuff yeah. without no, I, the ability yeah. to coast <laughs> yeah i have a, i have a freewheel got so it it is okay. single speed but it's a freewheel so i i i can get my uh my crank arms uh parallel to the ground before yeah. so i don't have to worry about uh root strikes or rock strikes yeah um, so yeah, the, the people that are able to do that well on uh, mountain bikes, you know, fixed gear on mountain bikes, I mean, that's an incredible level of skill. Right. Well, I would say what you're doing is an incredible level of skill because you, you know, you don't have that advantage of, you know, clicking your gears. I mean, you are just, here's what I have and I've got to go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I Well, I think uh, I, I'll let you in on a little secret that single speeders don't necessarily want other people to know oh, because we okay. enjoy the... Uh, 
we enjoy the uh, respect we get from other riders, but it's not as hard as you would think. Mm. Um, and I think, and I think there's quite a few single speeders that would probably agree with me that single speeding is actually faster. You're forced to, to go hard when you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't slack off because then you lose too much momentum. It gets that much harder. If you're always riding single speed slow, it's actually more difficult than if you choose the right gearing and, and you can turn those pedals. Hmm. Um, that's not to get to certain steep bits. That isn't very hard. Um, but a, uh, a single speed, when you've got the right gearing, it, it forces you to, to pedal efficiently and it forces you to work on the hills. So your times, a lot of times, are quite competitive hmm. Interesting. with geared riders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I feel like what you just said is I need to invest in a single speed bike. I think that's what you yeah. just said. Do it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, they are. They really are a lot of fun. Yeah, and especially uh, single speed mountain biking. I like uh, being in the woods because they are so quiet. You don't hear a chain slap. And oh yeah. Things like that. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Huh. Interesting. So, um, any other cool, crazy experiences you want to share? Uh, I think any time on a bike, for, I have a lot of fun, and it hasn't been a crazy year this year. This year was actually one of my lowest miles. I just got really busy with work and mm. a little bit of a funk, so uh, mm-hmm. I didn't ride as much as I usually do this year. But I guess the the best part of the year was I know we're not out, um, and we all are or should be doing what we can to make sure our communities are safe. Right. But it was great for that window that we had that events were going off and you could see yeah. your bike friends and, and compete and, and do the right thing. It wasn't, still wasn't normal for sure. Yeah. But it, it was getting there and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be closer to that next season. I agree completely. Well, you mentioned uh, when we first started that you are into f- doing farming and that you create farms for, I don't remember how you said it, but you're doing farming for nonprofits. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Um, so my wife and I, uh, about 15 years ago, decided we wanted to become organic farmers. Mm. You know, it's a very hipster thing to do. So we decided to hop on that bandwagon, and we wanted to do it right. So we uh, we left our career jobs and ended up apprenticing for farmers. Nice. Um, so we could learn it properly. So our first home together as a married couple was actually a, uh, I think it was an eight by twelve tool shed with a mattress thrown in there. Wow. So we did that for three years, making about four bucks an hour with dreams of buying our own land and, and starting our own farm. And when it came time to buy land, we realized, oh, <laughs> you know, we can't afford to buy the amount of land that we would need to, mm-hmm. to be able to uh, support ourselves and grow food properly. So we decided to look into managing farms. A friend of ours heard about our ideas and recommended us to a prep school that was building an agriculture pro- program, had a bit of land. Mm. And um, so they hired us to, and gave, not gave us a plot. I mean, we were living on the plot of land and uh, we were tasked with building a farm for them and developing a uh, sustainable agriculture program. Um, I have a background in teaching and teaching internationally and the school had a lot of international students. I think that with my farming background really, uh, they felt it was a good fit. So mm-hmm. they, brought us on and all of a sudden we were farmers with uh, resources and health care and it seemed to be a good thing and um, we built a farm for them uh, mixed agriculture you know we had uh, an oxen team and raised pigs and mm. chickens and bees and goats and then all sorts of organic vegetables so you're uh, and you're, we're teaching about it 
So, yeah, I was going to say, so you're, um, you know, building this farm from the ground up with uh, the organic uh, process. But then are you also like the students are hands on right in there with you? Yeah, uh, yeah. For about eight hours of the week, we'd have students out there. Oh, so okay. we, we, yeah, uh, throughout the summer, you know, kids go home in the summer. So yeah. They were helping us in the uh, early spring as well as into the fall. Mm. Uh, but summer, it was my wife and I maintaining that farm and, and selling to the, lo- you know, any product that we would create would be sold into the local community. Um, so we did that for about, uh, I think that was four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And um, another opportunity came up in there for a large nonprofit. And um, they had some land that was uh, given to their foundation. And they decided that one of the, they work in uh, education in uh, Ward 7 and 8 in D.C., and they decided that they wanted to also help with food insecurity issues. So, again, we moved on to a piece of property with no infrastructure, and we spent the first uh, year growing, uh, building the farm infrastructure and growing. And uh, that first year, we donated uh, 20,000 pounds of food. Whoa. And uh, 20, our most recent number is 2020. And uh, we donated uh, almost 50,000 pounds of food that year. So it's a nice way. And, and this is, we get to farm. Yeah. We have a salary and we have health care. It's an incredible um, place to be as a small farmer. And, you know, most small farmers are, I'm not going to they're not as lucky as we are. Yeah, um, yeah. But the fact that we couldn't buy land forced us to look at all, other alternatives. And it was working for nonprofits that works. Right. So Which now is it's multi. Consistent with our. Yes, we've done that twice now. Yeah. Two different organizations. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so you've gone. It's a weird niche that we found ourselves in. Right. And you've gone so much further than just having a farm for just you two. So now you're teaching and you're providing food to other people. And I mean, there's just so many different avenues that you are going with this path. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, it's opened all, all sorts of doors and windows for us to explore further as well. Yeah. Not to mention yeah. great food. I mean, you're probably one of yep. the healthiest people in your neighborhood. <laughs> well, I laugh at that because uh, when we're done in the summer, the first thing we do is come in and eat beer and potato <laughs> chips. So uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it's uh, just, uh, I think, being out in the sun and losing that salt. Yeah, there you so. go. <laughs> well, what uh, adventures do you have on the horizon for 2022? A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you're in the market for a new jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20% off. Now back to the show. I've been desperately looking to buy a new mountain bike. I think I have a lead on one of those because I would like to do more marathon-length mountain bike events. Yeah. Um, the SM 100 is a, a, a well-known race down here that I did last year on the single speed. And I've decided that that's a bit too much for me next year. Mm. So that's, that's the one I'm really excited about this year. Our trip to possibly Costa Rica, which we need to plan, yeah. um, in the next month or so, um, is another exciting thing. And just being out there and seeing, uh, you know, we've got quite a few Velopigs now that race. So we're launching a Velopigs race division. Mm. Uh, we've got kits coming out soon, so it's going to be fun seeing uh, Velopigs, which we already do, but seeing Velopig racers at events. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the future of cycling, for me at least, is uh, looking great, um, and I hope that more people are finding that and enjoying it like like so many of us have found. 
For sure, yeah. And uh, the Velo Pigs, ways to connect and get more information. Of course, you did say that you have a website, but the Facebook page, is is that open to anyone who wants to join? Um, it is a private group. Okay. But basically, you just you would request, request to join. Mm-hmm. There's one or two little questions, and uh, you'll be approved. I hate to say it, but in this day and age, you know, you have to kind of, when people uh, yeah. request, I need to do a little look over their profile and make sure. sure it's not certain things on there it's before I invite people in. Uh, we are very inclusive of all people, mm-hmm. um, so I don't need anybody in there trolling or being negative to certain members that we have in our group. Yeah, that's much yeah. appreciated for probably everyone who's in the yeah. group. But Okay, last question. How did the name come to be? Um, so Velo, obviously, cycling. Yep. Um, I, I wanted something that didn't, that wasn't boring. Like, uh, I don't know, we were living at Kent at the time, so I didn't want it to be the Kent bicycle club or, uh, you know, the Kent rough ride. I don't know. I just didn't want something like that. And I was raising pigs at the time. I I really like pigs. And then I thought the pigs that we had were friendly and they just were very happy and just gobbled up everything they enjoyed. And I thought, oh, that's kind of quirky. Velo pigs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of has a ring to it people will remember it it's fun um so i just mentioned it to my wife and one or two other friends and they kind of they kind of agreed that they liked the name yeah part of it you know when we first started because i like i've always liked the you know growing up with punk rock music and and hardcore and that do-it-yourself t-shirts and all that so i wanted to make t-shirts so part of it was built around that would be a cool thing to to uh play with yeah, as far as, as, far as logo. logos <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> so i think we've come up with a pretty good one and um that's how when i got down here i was selling t-shirts with just our logo on it you know and fellow pig people asked about it and they bought a t-shirt and there was a bit of a buzz about the Velo pigs before there was really a Velo pigs down here <laughs> that's awesome so uh yeah a bit of the uh the old uh, early 90s guerrilla marketing yeah yeah and yeah. it was successful look at you now it seems to be yeah we've got uh <laughs> 1300 people that claim their members now so oh, that is great yeah so. well casey thank you so much for coming on the show to uh tell your story and um before we go is there anything or anyone you want to plug before we say goodbye um i yeah well the velo pigs wouldn't happen without a uh, plum grove cyclery in uh leesburg mm, okay so if you're in in the area definitely check them out if you're interested in riding gravel in loudon county um I love to play uh, tour leader, so feel free to reach out. You'll if you look us up on social media. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is the Mad Rocket. Um, the Instagram for the Velo Pigs is Velo Pigs. Uh, look up at our Facebook page. Um, but if you want to see what Loudoun County gravel is like, definitely check out the America's Roots uh, homepage. There's quite a few videos about cycling on these roads, um, about the history of these roads. There is a video on there that has won an Emmy Award for about our roads so that one's a really beautiful well shot and interesting film so check out america's roots plum grove cyclery and say hello to me on instagram at the mad rocket excellent and i will try and put uh, most of those links into the show notes so if people haven't written them down while they're listening then they can just read and hopefully click and check it out you know, this this writing it down while they're listening makes me feel like I'm failing when I listen to podcasts, like I've missed out <laughs> on the assignment. 
Well, I'm like usually on my trainer yeah. or driving, so I don't have access to yeah. write things down. So you're right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Casey, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great talking to you, Kathy. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Thanks, Casey, for coming on to tell us more about VeloPigs and what cycling is like in Northern Virginia. Be sure to check out VeloPigs on most of the social sites and also at VeloPigs.org. That's V-E-L-O-P-I-G-S dot O-R-G. Their Halloween century ride called Oink at the Moon sounds like a blast. Oh, and if you go to YouTube to watch Casey's film on his 23-hour fundraiser ride, you can search Loudon Rambler to find it. And that's L-O-U-D-O-U-N. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology. Visit my Instagram for daily entertainment and check out my website for all kinds of bicycle stuff. And a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Oscar Allegeis. New beginnings are in order. And you're bound to feel some level of excitement as new changes come your way. Think about it.